Hello and welcome to this time of worship and meditation for Good Friday. From Going to the Army in association with Fortress Radio. My name is Mark Harry and throughout my life the importance of Good Friday has been a constant. As a child I can remember my mum telling me that it wasn't a holiday but a holy day. A bit like a Sunday, but even more special. And of course, so it should be. A day to remember the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. Dying that we may live. And making such a contrast with the celebrations that we share each year just three days later on the ultimate day of victory, Easter Sunday. The Salvation Army is so abundantly blessed with music and I hope you will join me in just surrounding yourselves with Jesus as we listen to some of this beautiful music for Good Friday together. For this programme we have tried to keep the introductions to the pieces as short as possible but there is an accompanying document that you can download which has more information about the music and the performers that you will hear. In between some of the music, you'll be able to enjoy readings, prose, poems and excerpts from scripture, read by myself and my good friend Janine Reader, 
who has strong associations with Grimsby Citadel Salvation Army. May God both bless and challenge you as you listen to this programme, and may he then use you to bring blessing and challenge to others throughout your lives.
That was the New York Staff Band with Bill Broughton's arrangement of the Sidney Cox chorus, Lord, Make Calvary Real to Me, followed by the International Staff Songsters singing The Christ of Calvary. The next two pieces are both settings of one of the most well-known Bible passages of all, John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The first setting is the famous one by John Stainer, and the second, perhaps lesser known even by Salvationists, is by Michael Babb. Both are sung by massed choirs in gatherings at the Royal Albert Hall.
After they finished their meal, they went out and walked to the Mount of Olives. On the mountain was a garden known as Gethsemane, which means oil press. On the way, Jesus predicted that the disciples would soon desert him. And Peter, eager to be a loyal follower, assured Jesus that even if the others were to leave him, he would never do so. But Jesus knew Peter's heart and told him that within just a few hours, even he would deny his Lord three times. Jesus entered the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and asked Peter, James and John to watch him while he did and to warn him of any danger should the priests and elders approach. Jesus was crushed to the limit with grief and despair and prayed the most personal and desperate prayer to his Father God. Please don't make me go through this. Take this cup from me, O Lord. Yet if this is the only way, then I only want to do your will. As he prayed, an angel was sent to Jesus from heaven to reassure him of his father's great love. Three times Jesus prayed this prayer and three times the disciples went to sleep. He admonished them gently, but as he spoke to them the third time, Judas approached with the authorities and greeted Jesus with his kiss of betrayal, a prearranged sign to the chief priests and elders to identify Jesus. And they took him away.
grows cold, my soul cries out. Oh, Father, bring me light. Take this cup from me, oh One of my all-time favourite devotional band pieces is Bram Coles's selection, The Hill of Calvary. I particularly love the words that are associated with the selection's final tune. O oh Jesus, I can ne'er repay the love thou hast for me. O oh, take my life, my love, and all I have to give, and let me live for thee. O oh, Calvary. Calvary, 
where Jesus died for me. I love the place called Calvary, where Jesus, Jesus died for me. And following that piece, which will be played for us by the Chalk Farm Band, we will hear the same band sing a most beautiful tune by Heinrich Feil, married to Isaac Watts's hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
Salvation Army music is not only made up of bands and songster brigades, of course. In our past, we have used string quartets, wind bands, big bands and contemporary ensembles. The Solid Rock Band from Gloucester Corps gave us a lovely song about Jesus' betrayal, which we're to hear next. And it leaves us with three questions. What about you? What about me? Are we ready to give him our all? of a female slave that Judas received for his master when he sold him for death in the grave. What about you? What about me? Does money mean more than Jesus? Are we ready to give him our of evil did cheer for they thought that they had accomplished what to their hearts was most dear what about you what about me do we help the demons with their work or do we fight for God and for right what about you
The next section of our programme will proceed without any introductions at all. But it will, as a whole, form a centrepiece for our devotions together today. It is based on readings from Luke, Mark and John's Gospels, along with a poem called From the Cross by Lydia Hartwell. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the King of the Jews, Save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion Seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. Father, they taunt me. Divide up my clothes. I know that you see, but why aren't you close? They don't understand us. They don't really see the choice that is happening. Our choice. 
to offer me in place of their failures and all hidden shame. They don't understand this means a chance to start again. Some of them seeking, knowing they're lost. It is for them that I've counted the cost. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I don't know how long this pain I can carry. Please hear your son. But I trust in your goodness, right now in this pain. Into your hands I commit myself again. Yeah.
At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Father! My father, where have you gone? I'm lonely, I'm lost. Things seem undone. Forsaken, forgotten, we feel so apart. Abandoned, alone. It's breaking my heart.
Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Father, I watch them, the people who come and who go. But Mother, dear Mother, is watching the show with pain in her eyes and fear in her heart. I must speak to her and show her her part. And my faithful friend John, who stands by her side, I will bring them together. My love will reside. This is the moment. The hour has come. Now is the time for shame to come undone. They don't understand it. They can't really see. It is finished. I claim the victory.
Many years ago, when the only records that could be released by the Salvation Army were on 78 RPM discs, the International Staff Band and General Albert Osborne collaborated in a recording that became very precious to many people. On it, the General spoke about a recording of a song that the band had made and used part of that song itself. I have edited together both the General's words and the original song for this podcast, and we will hear that next. Following that is a very rare recording from 1964 of the International Staff Band playing, in Norway, Eric Leidson's 1938 selection, The Cross, another very moving but rarely heard piece of music. between this sect of history and all others for me is that I am so closely concerned with the crucifixion of Christ that I, a man of the 20th century, was in the deepest sense a participator in Calvary. I do not feel like this about any other death in history. For example, in Canterbury Cathedral I see the place where a famous cleric was slain. Here, says the guide, is the spot where Thomas a Becket was at prayer when five of the king's knights came upon him. After tension had arisen between the church and the throne, they had heard the king exclaim in anger, would none avenge him on this low clerk? They took this as a royal command and hurried to Canterbury. They found the priest kneeling before the altar, wearing his vestments. The knights did not wait. They struck him and he fell. I gazed silently at the historic spot. It interests me. Its drama, struggle and tragedy are vivid. But I do not feel that I had any part in those events. I am grateful for a history lesson, but that is all. Or I look at Fotheringay, where Mary, Queen of Scots, was beheaded. History comes to mind, somber scenes pass before me, and I say, poor unhappy Queen, I think of those who loved her and those who hated her. I ponder over her restless life with its continual storm until she died under the act. Yet I do not feel that her life and death have anything to do with me. I say, ah, yes, I remember the story. And to me, it is only a story. 
but I go home from a meeting late in the evening and I desire a little music. So I put on a record and I hear men's voices singing the old Negro spiritual, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? I feel instinctively and unavoidably that the question is for me. Were you there? The voices ask. My heart answers, Yes, I was there. This man, this cross, this death are my concern as is no other fact in history. Other deaths may be notable and even important, but they are period events and limited in interest. The death of Christ belongs to time and eternity, is of universal importance, and in a strange yet definite way, it affects me. Now, why do I feel like this? My emotions are moved, it is true, by every thought of Calvary. But this personal factor goes deeper than that. Men are brought to Calvary by their sins by their quest of forgiveness, by their universal need of a saviour. Even when they do not kneel before the cross, even when they stand hostile or indifferent, they cannot escape their share in this central fact in all history. For here, God broke in upon the human race in the final revelation of himself, and all men, because of their sin and sorrow, are herein vitally concerned. The dying of Christ is unique. Thousands of people died on the cross during the cruel Roman years. Not one of them could speak redemptively to mankind. But he was Christ Jesus, whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Because of that, my sins took me to Calvary. For those who love Christ, Calvary emphasizes an abiding truth. It underlines a continuing fact as the child's arms thrown around the mother's neck restate the unchanging fact of the love between them. But I am more anxious to speak a word to those for whom Calvary is nothing more than a passing event. Other things are far more real to you than Calvary. Your inner conflict, your feeling of frustration, your failure to find anything more in life than the struggle to escape its grim burden or to bear them stoically without hope of understanding them. Christ is the answer and Calvary's cross is the place to meet him. Will you come near, draw near and see your Saviour die on the cross? He is the only true Saviour and he is the world's supreme authority on human sorrow. It is my personal testimony that I was there at the cross, joined with the whole human race in sin's condemnation, that I have been and remain there as a penitent and forgiven sinner. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes, yes, indeed I was there.
We entered the holy city with palm branches to welcome, parading in as they sang, Hosanna! They honoured him as if he were their king, as if he had come to set them free. Oh, how right they were! The promised king come to set his people free. We shared in communion with the Lord and the betrayer on the eve of the darkest day in history. Hate brewed at one end of that table, while love stirred peacefully on the other, and all of us living in blissful ignorance in between. We celebrated the Passover with our master, and we prayed that the Lord would not pass over us again, that instead he would stoop down to us and save us. But we denied him in his hour of need. We slept soundly as he was betrayed by us. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he gave his life for another. They beat him within inches of his divine life. They cast loss for his garments and spat on his blooded face. No longer did they yell, Hosanna! to welcome their king, but they yelled, Crucify him, to condemn their divine lord. They drove nails into his frail hands. He cried out to heaven, asking why the lord had forsaken him. He declared in defiance, It is finished, and he passed on to death. They threw a sword into his swollen side, his holy blood and holy water spilled to sanctify the earth onto which it fell. So silly they were. They thought that they could kill God, that they really believed they could depose the Lord of all with mere nails. But the sky darkened, and heaven turned away so as not to see her Lord die. The earth shook, and the world changed. Suddenly, all knew, surely this man was the Son of God. The once bright and beautiful sky turned suddenly dark. The earth shook violently in disapproval that her creator lay dead on her face. The warm, humid air turned suddenly bitterly cold and dry. For the promised Messiah had been defeated. Death itself had victory over the world. And the world knew it was so. There, on the cross, lay the life of the world, dead. The light of the world had been snuffed out and the world left in darkness. The hope of all mankind suddenly vanished. The steady hand holding the world wavered in mourning. And darkness covered the seemingly God-forsaken earth. Who are we at the foot of the cross that stood silently? We stood by and watched the promised Messiah be taken away and killed. We reap what we sow and will now live out our days 
in the darkness. Without hope, we shall suffer for all time a punishment fit for our crime. We crucified the Messiah. We gave the Lord to death. We killed God. For three days, the sun did not rise. For three days, the world swathed unstable. The demons danced in the darkness. Hell was victorious. Because for three days, God lay dead in a tomb.
We heard the questions earlier. What about you? What about me? Jesus, the only human who ever lived without sin, took our place on that cross. He died that we might be forgiven. He died that we might go at last to heaven, saved by his precious blood.
Sometimes I see through mist of bitter tears a distant hill on which a cross appears and on that cross where I myself should be I see the lowly took my place, his life he freely gave. O boundless grace, my soul from sin to save. He took my place upon the cruel tree. He took the gift My lips might speak his worthy praise, and that my hands might serve him all my days, until at last, through his redeeming grace, I meet and took my place, his life he freely gave. O boundless grace, my soul from sin to save. He took my place upon the cruel tree. He took a guilty sinner's Of course, what we know now that the disciples and the other followers and friends of Jesus did not know at the time is that all the desolation, gloom and despair of Good Friday was to be followed so shortly afterwards by Christ rising from the tomb and conquering sin and death forever. And so it is with an eye towards Easter Sunday that we end our broadcast today with a somewhat more positive sense of expectation. Colonel Catherine Baird's beautiful poem when Jesus looked o'er Galilee, gives us perhaps a little insight into Jesus' thoughts in the days leading up to Good Friday. And yet it ends with those tremendous words, But when the wind triumphantly swept from the open plain, the master surely heard the song, The Lord shall live again. Hallelujah. 
And so we'll end with Robert Redhead's lovely setting of Ernest Fuster's tune to Catherine Baird's poem. The piece is called Reflections in Nature. And then we'll reflect ourselves on the wonder of Jesus' love for us all that made Good Friday and Easter Sunday possible. Such love. May God richly bless you all and use us all in his service. Amen.